0: So uh, you just enjoy your 2020, I'll enjoy my 2015. (laughs) If I made you jealous, I apologize. That was not what I was trying to see and do. Mm, Let me move on. Those are worse than my normal, I promise. I've got better ones. Um, This morning, essentially, uh, I found out that today is National Youth Pastor Preaching Sunday. It's not an official event, but I'm in a group of youth pastors online. There's like 17,000 in one group and 15 in another. And uh, so there's all these comments. How many of you are preaching National Youth Pastor Sunday? And like hundreds and into the thousands of youth pastors. I am, I am, I am. Another one said, I got out of it. The senior senior adult minister is preaching. Anyway. (laughs) I, I did not get out of it. I was not the first choice, but uh, hopefully I can bring you something that you can enjoy and grow from. I want to quickly invite you to join the worship and the media team. And let me explain to you. There is a place for everyone, but not every place is for everyone. Let me say that again. There is a place for everyone on our team but not every place is for everyone. Hopefully, you will never hear me play drums again. That is the hope. That was not planned and I'm not a drummer. If you thought that I was, praise God, I bless you. And it's because you didn't realize I was doing three things. Ha! <laughs> and that's all. That was it. So if it sounded good, Lord bless your ears, Um, it was not good. It was mediocre at best. But my point is, not every place is for everyone. God has prepared each of us uniquely to do something for him. And I know for me, when I started out as a musician, uh, it was because there was no one else. And our youth pastor at the time, who was also our senior pastor, he actually complained That our youth group was shrinking. And I didn't tell him to his face, but I said, I know why it's shrinking. We ain't got no music. All you do is talk the entire time. You talk for an hour. Who wants to come to that? And don't get me wrong, he's a good preacher, but we heard him on Sunday, we heard him on Wednesday. We didn't want to hear him again on Sunday night. Like, anyway, so he he was frustrated and I was frustrated. I was like, What's this guy's problem? I'm 15 years old, I know everything. (laughs) Now I wish I could put it in a graph for you, but there's a quotient. When you reach about the age 13, 14, you reach the highest peak of knowledge in your life. Some, some, of, some people, it takes them to 16, 17, you know what I'm saying? Um, by 19, you're like a seasoned sage. Like you literally know more than everyone. And, and I, I'm into this phase. I, I am smarter than my senior pastor. Now, what's what's happened to me is the older I get, the less I know. And it's getting a little scary. I'm like, I don't know hardly anything. Like, don't ask me. <laughs> ask him. I don't know. Ask the 15 year old. He knows. <laughs> but I'm in this season and I'm complaining to the Lord. I said, What's this guy's problem? Like, we don't have any music. Like, there's there's no. There's no worship. There's no nothing else. It's just him talking. Um, and then the, I felt the Lord in my heart just challenge me. He's like, Well, why don't you do it? And I was like, What? Suddenly I didn't know so much. It's like, I don't know how to play anything. I'm not a very good singer. And my dad would agree with you. In fact, he used to make me shut the door while I would practice. And in love, he loved me, he was very encouraging, you know, he bought me a guitar, he was a great guy. But he was straight to the point, he wouldn't cut corners. He said, Josh, you are not good. (laughs) Your voice sounds bad. I said, but, here's the hope. Meanwhile, I'm like holding back tears. (laughs) Okay. I thought I was sort of good, but I'm not. He says, but if you practice and you give yourself, if you believe God is leading you to do this, you will get good. Probably. Maybe. <laughs> anyway, he says, so go practice, but leave, shut the door. Alright. I said, fine dad, I will. And it hurt, it hurt my pride, but it also spurred me to pursue excellence and to not be satisfied with just okay. And so I've spent the last 21, 22, almost 22 years trying to develop excellence in spirit and in, uh, in my craft. And I would say I'm just getting to the point where I'm sort of okay at the guitar and I don't think I'll get any much better of a singer maybe a tiny bit. I don't think I'll ever be great, but I'm going to give God the best I have. If if I can get better, I'm going to because it's for him. Play skillfully unto the Lord. Sing joyfully to him. Give him your best. Everything you do, do it as unto the Lord. And he will honor it. And I sincerely doubt my platform is ever gonna be much bigger than this and I'm okay with that this is fine even if it's smaller I'm okay with that too because it's not for you I remember I mean don't get me wrong you benefit from it but you you get what I'm saying right I don't worship you I worship Jesus I worship the Father I worship in the spirit and that's what we are called to do together we're called to worship him together and what I want to do today Everyone put on your nerdy glasses because you're about to get um, nerdy. You're about to learn some Hebrew. You're about to go into some deeper meanings and hopefully we won't get stuck. I do not speak Hebrew. Uh, It took me a long time to prepare just to be able to pronounce a few words correctly. So don't think of me any more than I am. I just know other people who know Hebrew and then I copy them that make sense okay just so we're clear I want to read a scripture verse before we begin but let's go ahead and pray father I ask you to open our eyes I ask you to make us able to see clearly who you are I thank you for those words that you are the the revealed God the revelation of Jesus Christ you are revealing yourself to us and if we do seek you We will find you when we seek you with all of our heart. Amen. Alright. So, I'm going to ask you a question. It's on slide two. What is worship? What is it? Is it slower songs that put you in kind of, you know, a, a mood to sing? Is it something we do is it is it a place we gather like what do we call this a worship service praise and worship i'm here to tell you that it's none of those things but it involves all of those things worship in and of itself is none of those things it is not music it's not a style in fact you could technically worship to really hard metal i'm serious because worship is not a style It's a position and an attitude of the heart. It is outer and inner combined. Worship happens everywhere, and it could happen nowhere because it's not about just what's on the outside. You can't worship with decibels. You can praise with decibels. You can. That's biblical. That's why the Bible instructs us to praise the Lord because you can praise the balls. You could praise the Titans although that's not super popular lately Um, you can praise a video game you can you can praise lots of things but worship is something sacred and it only happens in the spirit didn't Jesus say that the father is seeking worshipers God is spirit and those who worship him must that's a big word from Jesus must worship him in spirit and in truth. And I hope as we talk just a little bit about worship, once again, I'm just trying to get you on the team. This is all this message is. It's, I'm doing this, saying, look how fun worship is. It's great. Yay. And then as soon as I get you, I'm going to hook you and you're going to be like, oh, you gave me that job. It's like, yeah, you're a worshiper. Some Levites their entire job was to roll up the tent. That's, that's all they did. But it was sacred, and it was unto the Lord, and they didn't complain, otherwise they'd get bit by snakes. Right? Isn't that what the Bible says? Then they look at the bronze servant, oh, thank God, I'm okay. Or like, you, you better, not, better not be whining in my house. I, I'm a holy God. You know, I don't think he's going to do that to us. I think the blood of Jesus... Covers us in that way, but I wouldn't chance it. Just saying. Anyway, what what does worship mean? I'm going to get to that. I'm not going to tell you. But it's something that happens on the outside and the inside. We're going to get to that. The Bible also teaches us, this is slide three, that we're a kingdom of priests. Does that mean we all have to wear a white collar and start taking confessions? No. That's not what that means didn't say Catholic priest. said just straight up priest. And as a kingdom of priests, we have certain duties, we have certain rights, and we have certain access points or benefits as priests, which normal people don't have, right? Everyone who is normal, they could only sometimes, if you look at the tabernacle, right, go in the outer courts, bring their sacrifices, but the priests got to go a little deeper and then once a year the high priest got to go into the holy of holies and see a place that was completely supernatural the bible says that the curtain was like this thick keep that in mind to the holy of holies the ark was in there that contained aaron's rod that budded it had some manna it had the broken tablets all things that God had done supernaturally. It was not human stuff in that ark. And check this out. The Bible says that the Holy of Holies was lit up. How? There was, no, there was no lights in there. There was nothing. Who was it? Who was in there? It was him. It was Yahweh. He was in there. And they would even attach a bell to the high priest. That way if he had a blemish, physical or you know, mental sin in his life, he would die, and they'd drag him out. Or if he offered the Lord a strange fire, meaning not according to God's model, he'd die, and they'd drag him out. I don't know how many died. There's a a recording of a few, like a few of Aaron's sons, the first two, gone. Why? Because they didn't do it the way that God had instructed them. Does that sound harsh to you? It does to me does God sound serious about worship I think he does does God change is he any different than he was then as he is now no what has changed is he's revealed his son and he's covered us with a lot of grace but the same God of the holy place in the tabernacle is the same God we worship and if we were even to get a glimpse of a glimpse of who we worship let me tell you what's gonna happen we're all on our faces because glory means weight. And when the weight of his presence come, your human body will not hold it. Some of you will be screaming. That is biblical and it's in the holy place. There's angels and creatures that do it nonstop. They're screaming holy, which means different, which means there's no one like you, which means you are the only in all of everything that is like this. You can't say that about anything else. I'm like you and you and you and you and you. Look at me. We look similar. We're different, but we look the same. I am not holy. But when I receive him, when he comes and lives inside of me, the only holy also makes me holy. For he says, You shall be holy as I am holy. Amen? I'm not going to tell you exactly what a priest does what they are, but I just want to introduce you to the idea. We are a kingdom of priests, and we have specific jobs, specific benefits, and specific mandatory instruction as priests. Otherwise, we're not doing our job. What happens in the real world when you don't do your job for long enough? You lose your job. That's not what happens in the kingdom. In the kingdom, you just get demoted, (laughs) and then you get less to work with. But if you're faithful with little, what happens in the kingdom? Gives you more, right? And to him who has, more will be given. But to him who has not, even what he has will be taken. Meaning, God's still going to love you and save you. But as the Bible says, it's going to be as through fire. You're going to make it by the hair of your chinny-chin-chin or the skin of your teeth. And and you're going to be happy and glad and grateful. But why not enter his promises with the full inheritance? Why not be everything God has called you to be? Why settle for for barely making it? Why not live in the abundance of his spirit life right now? That's our calling. That's who we are. We are a kingdom of priests. I want to read a short story from John chapter 4. And before we do, we're going to provide a little context. You can throw that map up there. I love looking at maps when you read names in Bibles, because I don't know about you, when I read a name like Gerizim, I'm like, who cares? I just, I just literally gloss over it. I'm, just be, I'm, I'm being honest to you, and I'm sorry that a pastor would do this. But I'm just telling you. Or I read, like, names, and I read locations. I'm like, blah, blah, blah. Get, get the meat. Just tell me the story. I don't care. But when I look at a map, it, oh, it helps me connect the dots. It makes the story come more alive. And so we're going to read this story. I want you to look at that map. I want you to look, if you can, in the middle of Samaria, the blue section. And I want you to look at Sikar and Mount Gerizim. Because that is where our story takes place. All right, here we go. John chapter 4. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John... So Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples. He left Judea. Look at the map, the orange. He left Judea. You see Jerusalem and Bethlehem in there. And he departed again to Galilee. That was his hometown where he grew up. He was not born there, but that was his main area. That was what he was most familiar with, Galilee. Now look what the scripture says. It says, but he needed to go through samaria makes sense right what's between judea and galilee samaria but here's a little context jews didn't go through samaria here's what they would do they would go to the east they would take the jordan river path and walk around samaria so that they didn't have to go in it because samaria was unclean it was a nation of conquered people the syrians I don't know, at this time, maybe 400-ish years had come in. They had wiped out the men. They had mixed with the Israelites. And so a Sumerian was not a true Israelite. They had Assyrian blood in them, the blood of the enemy. And so even though they had the genealogy, the same genealogy as the Israelites, they represented God's judgment. And they were not looked on well, even though they had nothing to do with it. They're just born, right? And now people hate them. That's never happened in, in our modern day. We just love, all love each other. doesn't matter our skin color or our background. Uh, but in that day, they had racism. That's what I'm trying to get at, okay? Uh, we don't, I'm sorry, I need to stop. We obviously do, and we should repent if it's in our hearts. But they had racism, and they didn't even like to talk to Samaritans and like to associate with Samaritans and definitely wouldn't meet with Samaritans. So let's keep reading. So he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar. We see where that is, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour or lunchtime. The first hour is 6 a.m. Jewish culture. The 12th hour is 6 p.m you sun up to sundown so we're at we're at noon it's very hot probably a woman of samaria came to draw water jesus said to her give me a drink for his disciples had gone into the city to buy food another quick note women didn't draw water at noon they drew water in the morning why it's cool right they go in the morning they get their water And if you were to draw water at noon, it would be for a specific reason. Perhaps you were trying to avoid conversation. Perhaps you were trying to avoid judgmental stares. Perhaps you just didn't want to be around the other ladies and, you know, their gossip circle. Maybe you had something in your life that you didn't want to hear talked about. Let's keep going. Verse 9. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? And here's our context clue. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Time out, Jesus. You just asked for a drink. And now you're offering a drink. Sounds to me like he had a plan, right? Like he went there on purpose, even though he actually is thirsty. It's a, look, it's a long walk. It looks small on the map, but I mean, we're talking, they'd probably walked at least 15 miles by this time, right? They're, they're, he's thirsty. But now he's flipping the script. He's like, if you knew who I was, I would have given you water. You would never thirst again. So she's intrigued. First of all, this guy's a Jew, and he's talking to me. This is out of the ordinary. Now he's talking about magical water. I need to learn more. She might even think he's a little bit loony, but she's curious because he seems put together. You know, he doesn't look crazy. He just talks crazy. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where will... Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this, excuse me, this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water, water that I shall give him will become a fountain in him, of water springing up to everlasting life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus has set the bait. He's laid the trap. He's talked just confusing enough that she has no idea what he's talking about. But she is still curious. Evangelism 101, guys, this, this is a good model for evangelism. Go to the store. Walmart, I'm just making this up on the spot. Hey. How would you like to have free food for the rest of your life? Whoa. How? You do that. Then, like, you need the gift card. They know what a gift card is. They're they're thinking. You need the gift card that I have. It's a a gift card. And with it, you'll never be hungry. Because you can pay for food whenever you want. Uh... Either they're going to think you're a weirdo or maybe they really need something, food. Say, can I get one? I said, yes, you can. I said, but this is a different card than, I'm, than you may be thinking of. This is a gift card that gives you food, and when you eat it, you live forever. Now they're really like, what in the world? So either they're going to, like, call security or ask another question. And then you introduce the manna from heaven, the bread of life, Jesus. When you take of him, he gives you life everlasting. And your spiritual man that's been thirsting and hungering for life is filled. That's what Jesus did, right? He kind of tricked her, but he did it with good intention. So we will let it slide and honor it and model our lives after it. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, ooh, here's where the story gets a little little fun. Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, honestly, she's telling the truth, I have no husband. I don't. (laughs) Even when you're honest with Jesus, he knows the story. You might as well just put it out there and just... Don't try to be pretty and hide. Just tell him the truth. Take the spiritual makeup off and just tell them who you are. That's what he wants in anyway. you. He wants you. Not the pretend you, not the well-dressed you, although I am well-dressed. Thank you very much. He wants you as you are. You have well said, Jesus said to her, for you have had five husbands. Oh, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. Didn't even rebuke her. Just said what was. So now, I imagine, how does this woman feel? She's probably embarrassed. Because remember, she's going to the well because she doesn't want to talk to people she knows. Because they already know her. They know her life is failure after failure. She probably has extreme acceptance issues. Because she just can't make a relationship work for whatever reason. And she's got cold feet. Because this guy who's with her she knows if she gets married to him he's probably he might leave her so she's kind of like I don't even know if I'm cut out for the marriage thing I've tried a lot here's what the woman said sir I perceive that you are a prophet let's change the subject let's not talk about me let's talk about holy things now that I know who you are our fathers worshipped on this mountain And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, and this is why we're here today. The hour is coming when you will neither worship on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you, am he. We could go in a hundred directions just from this story alone. We could talk about words of knowledge. We could talk about Jesus' heart to break down racial barriers and ethnic barriers. We could talk about evangelism. We could talk about the spirit life and walking in the spirit. But today we're going to talk about worship. Because I find it very fitting that Jesus reveals worship, the meaning and and purpose and heart of worship, right between the split Israel, north and south, right smack dab in the middle, in an area which the Jews now call unclean, but is their rightful homeland. Jacob's well was there. They say they serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, yet they threw away their inheritance because of their prejudice. How much does God have for us if we would say, it doesn't matter where it is, I'm going to work.
1: Walmart, the gas station, at home, in the car, among friends.
0: Maybe they don't even believe. I'm going to worship because I'm a worshiper. And it's not about a location anymore. It's not about a Sunday morning event. Jesus did not condemn the Sunday morning event. He even showed up, right? He He would go to synagogue just like we do on a different day. But the idea is the same. He is looking for worshipers. And worshipers are not limited to location. When you are a worshiper, you carry the presence and the spirit of God with you wherever you go. Anyone know what an ambassador is? You know, here's the thing about ambassadors, and this isn't a good thing. But if an ambassador from another country commits a crime in our country but it doesn't violate the laws of his country, we can't prosecute. Meaning, this space where the ambassador stands is sovereign space. So he carries the rights, the privileges, the laws of his nation wherever he goes. Now some ambassadors are good and they don't abuse that. Some are not good and they do abuse that and they use it to money launder and you know, traffic and it's very bad but here's the point we are ambassadors of the Lord God and wherever you step you carry the rights the privileges the anointing the healing power of the king of kings that's why he could go into a location the demons would be like "Ah,
2: help
0: we thought you were coming later and they'd cry out, you know who this guy is? He's the son of God, run! And, went, and Jesus would say, be quiet! Shh! Stop talking. And they'd be like, <laughs> Then he'd cast them out, and the person would be like, this is wonderful, I'm free. He's like, you're welcome. Now go serve the, s- serve God. We have those same rights and privileges. We are his ambassadors. We are his priests, and we are called to be worshipers. Let's go to the fifth slide. We've already talked about this a little bit. The Father is actively seeking worshipers. I want you to let that sink in for a minute. The Father, the big guy, the creator of the cosmos, the one who breathes and the universe happens. He can do whatever he wants, but there is something that he's looking for. And the Old Testament says it like this. He's looking for loyal hearts to show himself strong in their behalf. And Jesus says it like this. He's looking for worshipers because God is spirit and those who worship him must worship. And here's the good news. If God is looking for something, it's got to be really, really, really special. And through the Holy Spirit, He's already hidden inside of you, the seed of a true worshiper. You don't actually have to be taught; the Spirit Himself can guide you into all truth. That's what Jesus said. But I like to be taught. It's it's it's, it's like extra credit, right? I enjoy it, and uh, it's very biblical. You know, Jesus appointed apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers for the equipment of the saints, the work of the ministry, till we feel the fullness of Christ, you know, we're complete in knowledge and we're not swayed easily by fancy false doctrine. But the Spirit, if you confess Christ, is in you to teach you, for you, what it means to be a true worshiper. And when you enter that space, connection happens. And I will tell you there is nothing more satisfying. There is nothing more wonderful. And I'm not telling you it's easy. It's not easy at all. Because this world is full of thorns and crummy soil and paths. Right? Isn't that what Jesus taught us? We have the true seed but we got to keep our ground clear. Otherwise none of this works. But if we do That seed of worship is going to get planted in good soil and it's going to start to grow and germinate. And before long, we become a beacon of the presence of God everywhere we go. And like Jesus, we can say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And it's not because of me, right? I'm just a vessel. I'm a clay pot. I'm dust. That's it. I only live because he empowers me With his voice. Isn't that what the word says? He holds all things together by the word of his power. But yet he chose me to be a carrier of his presence, of his knowledge, of his anointing. So that then I can teach others. And now we're getting into what we're talking about. What our role is. What is worship and what our role is as a priest. But remember, God is seeking worshipers. He's not seeking money. Could care less. Seeking worshipers. Why well then why does he ask for money? What does money connect to in most cases? Yeah. Connects to your heart. He doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. But he knows your heart is connected to your money. And if you give enough of your money, you won't be enslaved to your money. And then he can have your whole heart instead of a divided heart. Yeah. Like, I don't want your money either, but I want you to give your heart to Jesus, so I want you to give your money so that your heart can be free to love him and serve him rightly. Amen? Otherwise, honestly, just, just keep it. And get your heart right, and then give it in joy so that you can experience the benefits of the connection with God. Amen? All right, let's keep going. Let's go to the next slide. Here's where what we put our nerdy glasses on for. We're gonna learn a little bit of Hebrew. Everyone say shaka. This is not the only word for worship. This is just the first mention of worship. Genesis 18:2. These three strange people show up. Abraham sees them and he shakas. He worships. Interestingly. The worship is not refused. And we find out later that one of these three strange, interesting individuals is God. Is God coming down to check some things out? And he's got two of his angel buddies with him. This is the first mention in Scripture of the, the word worship. There's other types of worship that happened before that. Abel offers an acceptable offering to the Lord, right? You know? Uh, obviously, Abram was a worshiper of some kind. But this is the first time we, we see it in the text. And so we're going to learn a little Hebrew, like I said. Keep in mind, you're wanting to read that from left to right, and it would be more like, Hakak or hakash. That's not what we're trying to say. We're trying to say, shaka, you have to read from right to left. Hebrew is a little bit different than our language. I prefer it because I'm left handed. So when I write, I don't drag my hand across the page. It's so nice. I wish English were that way, but it's not, so oh well. I just had to have a smudged hand in school. But thank God for typing where everyone is equal. If you're not left-handed, you've never experienced the feeling of the binder on your hand as you're trying to write an essay, and the smear and trying to pick up your hand to make sure you don't mess it up, and by the time, oh, oh, there's pen. Pencil. Ah. Oh. Anyway, just bringing you into my world a little bit. Feel sorry for me. Shaka. The very first symbol. It looks kind of like a W, right? Kind of. And just like our language, it can be written slightly different depending if you're writing shorthand or if you're writing cursive. But this is more of the standard way of writing shaka, like you might see in a text. And the first symbol, you can go to the next slide, is everyone say sheen, not shin. Say it like you have an accent, sheen. Sheen. There you go. Sheen, and if you look at sheen closely, that's the real fancy script way of writing. Enjoy that. It means, now, now when you say sheen, what happens? Sheen. You see your teeth, right? And it literally can mean teeth or to press to consume so this will help you remember sheen teeth right sheen it doesn't work with every letter but with this one it does so enjoy here's the interesting thing about sheen it's the only letter in the Hebrew alphabet that also doubles as one of the names of God sheen can also be used for El Shaddai our God Almighty this letter is what Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob knew him as. He had not revealed his name Yahweh, as he did to Moses, yet he was Sheen. He was El Shaddai. Very cool. So worship starts with with God, with God Almighty. Makes sense. In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Worship starts with him. All right, let's move on. I can't say this correctly. I'm just going to do my best. Everyone say Chet. Chet. It's got to be in the back of your throat. I need more practice. Chet. Chet. Okay? And Chet is neat, it means a safe place, it can mean an inner room or sanctuary, it can also mean a doorway or a stronghold. Um, They would love to write about Chet. You know, the Lord is my fortress, my stronghold, my ever-present help. So, Chet is a a neat thing, but I want you to look close. And I don't know that this is, this might be stretching it a little bit, but just for fun, let's look at it. And this is a fancy way, like I said, of writing Chet. There's two symbols, and one could say they resemble two people with one wearing a crown with a connection between that kind of looks like a yoke. And what did Jesus say? Take my yoke upon me, upon you, and learn from me. For I am gentle and low in your heart, you'll find rest for your souls. So Chet is a safe place. Who is the safest place? God. This is getting really cool. I just thought of something that I hadn't thought before. I'm, I'm excited. So we have the crown king connected with humanity. Chet. Let's go to the next one. This is my favorite. Hey! Hey! So when you see the, the symbol that looks like that, you can be like, hey, that's how you say it, hey, hey. It's more throaty than that, it's not like, hey, it's more like, hey, hey. And uh, hey is really cool because it can mean breath, it refers to outstretched arms, right? And The letter he pops up twice in God's revealed name, the holy sacred name, Yahweh, Yahweh, both those he's. And a lot of people say the reason God said that as his name, Jewish scholars, is because he gave his name a sound of breath. So that every time anyone breathes, they say the name of God. And his name is I Am Who I Am. And think about it. He's like, I'm existence, I'm everything. And you have to say his name to curse him. This is interesting. People constantly saying his name while they sleep. Everyone. Yeah. I encourage you to do that, but don't do it too hard. You will pass out. So just do it a few times. Don't get too carried away. It's not a vision. It's a lack of oxygen to your brain. If you have a vision, that's great. But just be careful. All right. So anyway, we have the three letters. Now let's put them together. All right. Sheen. Denote. You don't have to go back to it unless you want to. Sheen denotes power and might. It's about strength, God Almighty, crushing, teeth, consuming. It's mm, power, and it brings you low. Chet is about grace, safety. You're not afraid as you go low. And then finally, hey, it's about outstretched arms. As you receive from him his spirit life, it's worship. It's outward and it's inward. And here's the cool thing who's God Almighty? The Father. Who's the safe one? Who's the one who fills us with grace? The Son. Who's the breath? Oh. Spirit, right in worship you have the Father the Son and the Spirit and he's inviting us into that experience where we commune with the triune God would you say that this is important God is looking for worshipers not because he hasn't big ego that needs to be filled he's looking for worshipers because he's looking for friends for relationship he's looking for connection who spend time with me? Who will connect with me as I am? There is a right and proper way to worship, but it's not just the position of your body. It's a position of your heart and your mind. That's why the Lord says, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your mind, and all of your strength. Right? I'm not one who will tell you you can worship doing everything because you have to be intentional. Giving to the poor is not worship unless it is, right? Otherwise, 1 Corinthians 13 wouldn't be written in there. You can give all you have to the poor, even give your body to be burned, but without love, it's nothing. Why? Because without the proper heart response and position before a holy God who demands perfection, It's not worship. Right? Body position is important to worship. It's really, I'm just, from experience, it's really hard to worship like this. It is. Because this denotes what? I'm hungry. You done? That's why he calls us to have outstretched arms. Hey why he calls us to get humble. Chet. And that's why he calls us to look to him and bow low. Sheen. Shaka. Okay. You can take your nerdy glasses off. No, no, wait. I got one more. Keep them on. Then you can take them off. Hebrew is a very fascinating language as well. It's primitive, but in some ways it's way cooler than ours. They have less to work with, but less sometimes is more. And every single Hebrew letter also represents a number. It's really easy in the beginning. Their first letter, Aleph, is just one. The next one is two, three, four. But then once you get to 10, then it goes 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. And then finally, as you get to the last few letters, it's 100, 200, 300, 400. Check this out. Sheen represents the number 300. Chet represents the number 8, and He represents the number 5. Now in biblical circles, Sheen, the number 300, represents, and this is people who believe in Jesus, the perfect sacrifice of God. The weight of God's judgment came down upon the Christ. Chet represents new beginnings right because there are seven days in a week and then you start a new week there's seven notes in the major scale and you start over with the same note again in a different octave new beginnings and then hey represents his grace or his perfection so here's what we have we have through the perfect sacrifice of jesus we have a new beginning to walk in the grace of God. This is the invitation of worship. We're invited into the holy place with the Father, Sheen, with the Son, Chet, with the Spirit, He. And we're even given a model on how to do it. We Worship you. We worship you. Do you have to get in the the physical position to worship? No, you do not. Is it helpful? Yes, it is. It's very helpful because of what it represents. Can you worship like this? Go for it. I will take a picture and post it. Because that's, I guess you can. Can you worship like this? Maybe. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. I didn't read that one. I don't, I don't know the Hebrew swimmer, what that represents. Give me a little time. Maybe I'll look it up for you, but I don't really want to. Here's the point. God gives us a model of what worship is, what it means, and what happens when we do it rightly according to the Bible. So you can worship and sit, and that's cool. And I, I, I know it can happen because I've done it. But when you get in the position and even if you need pads under your knees or you need to do it on a nice comfy chair or an altar, why do you think we have these? Puts you right in position. Right? It's perfect. You don't even have to bear your own weight. My back feels great. Ah This this is like twenty first century worship right here. Comfy. If I had knee pads on, this is take it to another level. I'll stay there all day. All right, let's move on. Let's go back to our questions. Slide 11. What is a priest? What do they do? What are they for? In Exodus chapter 19, we learn that we're supposed to be a kingdom of priests. And God's original intention was that an entire nation would be priests to him. He even invited them all up on the mountain to get consecrated as a nation and then teach the world and disciple the world. What did they say? Ah! You go, Moses. Just tell us what happens. We'll do whatever you say. We ain't talking to him. He's scary. hee I mean, it was, it was scary. It was darkness and thunder and, you know? It was like bass like you never felt before. It was intense. And they were scared. And so God got upset. He's like, Ugh like well I guess I gotta write it down for you you know Wives, you ever had to write your husband a list because he couldn't remember three simple things you asked him to go get that's what God had to do He's like guys it's so easy don't kill each other worship me don't make idols obey your parents how hard is this I'm gonna put it on a list for you since you're too scared to talk to me anyway wives God feels your pain he understands our short attention spans and our inability. I just, I, I don't even try. I'm just like Lauren if it gets above two things I'm gonna need to write it down. So bear with me. I promise you I'm not trying to forget but I will. It just happens. You get to that third one you're like oh what was it? I, I want to call her but then I don't because I should have remembered. If I call her I have to admit that I don't know what I'm doing. Let's just guess. You know? Okay, go with it. And Then you get home and you forgot something and you bought two extra things because it looked cool and it was only $1.99. Anyway, a kingdom of priests. Priests are someone who ministers to God. They carry his promise and they help others connect with God. They offer an open door into his presence. So their job is to God first, and then their job is to humanity. Look familiar? They reach out to the divine, and then they reach out to the created. That's a priest. It's not fun being a priest because you feel stretched a lot of times because you're pulled between what God wants and what the people need. And you feel this tension in life because it's like, oh, and you feel yourself interceding for God's dream to, to happen in people's lives as they fritter them away. But then you feel the compassion of the pain and suffering in humanity. You're constantly pulled. But it puts you in perfect position to connect with your Savior, right? If any man comes after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, his Not mine. We can't bear his. We can't bear the cross of Jesus. Only he could. Take up his cross and follow me. Your cross might be keeping four kids alive. And just staying sane. It might be your cross. Your cross might be a health issue that you know of the promises of God. That he is the healer, but yet it persists. Your cross might be just depression that falls on you that you cannot shake and you cry out for help, and it just clouds your mind. But I'm telling you, in every case, press on. Look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Therefore, do not grow weary while doing good. That means that you can grow weary, and you probably will. That's why the Bible says in advance, don't grow weary. How? Remember the promise. In due season, you shall reap if you do not lose heart. There was a man, and uh, he happened to have an experience with God. And he asked God a question. He's like, God, help me understand time. How much is a million years to you?
2: Mm, About
0: a minute or so. How much, God, is a million dollars to you? Penny? You know, he's trying to relate to the guy a w- way he can understand. And so the guy says, interesting. God, can I have a penny? The Lord says, sure, in a minute. <laughs> I imagine that guy, the Lord, handing him a big slab of gold. About a million years from then, here you go. I keep my promises. <laughs> anyway, he is the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, and I'm going to give you a fast track into his presence right now. Works every time. If you need to get in the presence of God. You ready for this one? Isaiah 57:15. Slide 13. For thus says the high and the lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. Let's stop there. God opens up his fridge, and there was the creation of the dinosaurs. That's what this is saying. He looks at his watch, and he sees all of human history. He lays down in his bed, and there's the millennial reign, and maybe a few thousand years after that. He inhabits. Habits. Eternity. That's why he's the God of yesterday, today, and forever. He's not like us. He wasn't born in time, therefore he is not bound by the constraints of time. He can know you as a child right now and as someone on their deathbed at the same time. And love you and lead you and guide you according to the whole spectrum of your life. And that is easy for him. The Bible only teaches that a few things are hard for God. One of them was working out sanctification and the cross, making that work. The cosmos were easy. That was not hard for him. The creation stuff, piece of cake. The other was the incarnation. God becoming flesh. Everything else is easy. There's nothing too hard for God. And I would say making scripturally, making everything work perfectly according to his prophetic plan, that would be on the medium side. He might sweat slightly to do that. But everything in your life that has ever been a problem is easy. You have a money problem? You don't have a problem. Why? Because you're a priest. You're fine. God will take care of it. He tells you not even to worry about it. That's what the pagans worry about. You need a a healing in your life? What did Jesus do? He just walked around. Ooh, faith. No faith. Sorry. Let me do a few minor things. I wish there was more. Ooh, faith over here. Just believe. Easy. Well, what if he doesn't give you his promise? We already have the promise, right? Right? We're saved. We have the promise of eternal life with Christ and God forever and ever and ever. Everything else is just dust and vapor and moments and breaths. But I'm going to give Him my best with these moments. Let's try to close this thing because I told you I was going to give you a fast track. We stopped at his name is holy. I dwell in the high and the holy place. Check this out. With him who has a contrite and a humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the hearts of the contrite ones. So if life has punched you every which way and you are broken, congratulations. All you have to do is raise your hands and you're in. You are in God's dwelling place. If life is going great, and you have everything you need, it's going to be a little bit harder for you to get in. But you can choose to see God as he is, as the great one, just like Isaiah did. Behold, I'm a man of unclean lips. Unclean lips. Isaiah, you are a priest. You're probably the cleanest man in your nation. And you're actually a good priest. But he had a revelation. For my eyes have seen him, seen the King. No matter h- what it looks like, you can get in to His presence, that high place, that holy place. how? Contrite, Lord, I need you. I need you, God. Can't do this without you. Blessed are those who recognize their need for God, for they shall be, Go ahead and go to that next slide. Colossians three says, "If you've then been seated with Christ, think on those things where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. If you've been raised with Him, think on it." And the word "think" there is not a casual think; it's an intensely think about, dissect it. And we've been given a few pictures of the throne room, and it gets weird. There's creatures with wings. And eyes eyes on their wings six wings and when they speak it pierces the atmosphere and shakes the foundations of the heavenly throne room and then there's 24 elders and they're like whoa they take their crowns they chuck them off they fall on their faces and then around them it says there's thousands times a thousand innumerable angels. And then there's this other host from every tribe, nation, people, and language stand before the throne in front of the Lamb. They're wearing white. They have palm branches. And they're all giving praise to God. There's voices. There's sound. There's rumblings. There's colors. It's all over the place. And our inheritance is not just to be there but to sit there in a place of honor, beholding his glory. Here's the good news. According to scripture, we've already been raised with Christ. And we can, if we allow ourselves, to go to that high and holy eternal place where we realize we're just dust. Woo! We get in there, man. If you're comfortable now, just go ahead, let's go in. Let's go in right now together. Kneel on your seat, close your eyes, raise your hands, humble yourself. Go with me into that high and holy place where he dwells with the contrite one. If your heart is broken come with me. Let's just go ahead and end and play that song again. If you would on that last slide you know you can worship with YouTube. You don't need it to be live. In the bathroom, in your car, Sometimes in my shower is the best as to worship because I sound so good. The acoustics and the water catches off all my bad notes and all that's left is kind of the reverberation. But let's go ahead and end this time worshiping Shaka, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And let's allow Him to set our focus rightly. Amen? Turn it up so we can all hear real loud. Thank you,
2: Lord. Is the lamb who was slain. Holy, holy is he. Let's sing this together.
3: great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying. With a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne.
1: found worthy his name is Jesus he's the lion and the lamb lion of the tribe of Judah brood and the offspring of David it's the bright and morning star He's the manna from heaven. He feeds his people of his body. He's the rock in the desert. Streams of life flow. He's our great high priest, offering intercession before us even now. He's the word of God word made flesh the revealed name of God the revealed father the prince of peace the wonderful counselor the mighty God the name that is above every name that at that name every knee should bow every tongue confess in heaven and earth and under the earth that he alone is the Lord of lords his name is Jesus oh you're worthy you're worthy you are worthy come on just tell him he's worthy You're worthy. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain.
0: out quietly. It's going to take another five-ish minutes and just soak in the presence of God. If you need to go, you're free to bless you and love you. I just hear the Spirit speaking to me. Woo! That He is healing your heart. There's brokenness inside of you. It's unresolved. Woo! And He is cleaning you right now. Thank you, Father. It's restoring.